Good morning. It's good to see you all here in the theater this morning. Thanks for coming and being a part. Thanks to all those tuning in online, watching or listening. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, welcome to the Grove. Uh, my name is Eric Matoya. If you don't know me, I'm the pastor of the Grove, and it's going to be a great Sunday. We're on part. We're in a series. We're wrapping it up today, part four of a series called Backwards Plan. So this is your first week. Um, you're coming at the end of a conversation. All right. So give me some grace. If you have questions you're like, well, what about this and this? Well, you can go back, listen to the other parts, and hopefully I'll catch you up. Uh, but we're in part four of a series I think is very helpful um, as we start school. Uh, I think just helpful in general. If you will keep this in mind and apply these principles, uh, you will you will see um, a lot of um, success in everything you put your hand to. And so we, we've been walking through this, uh, what it looks like to have this backwards plan. Uh, so I'm just review a little bit. So I'll catch up. If you missed or you this is your first time, I'll, I'll at least catch you up. Uh, but there's more to it than just all the things I'm going to say this morning. Um, but here's the bigger idea for the for the the, the series that we're in. All right, it's it's the idea is how to get to where you want to get. Where you want to be uh, from where you currently are. How do you get there from where you currently are? So you begin to think of your life when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to finances, when it comes to work, when it comes to relationships. All these different areas are alive. Like down the road, like we all have this idea of where we want to be. How do we get there from where we currently are? And we said, here's here's some principles, some some um, ideas to put into place if you want to be able to do this. Because uh, here's the truth: we all, all of us, will end up somewhere at some point in our lives. Every single one of us down the road, we're going to end up at some point, some destination. It might not be the intended destination we wanted. It might be a different destination, uh, depending on if, if we plan. So it's not where we'll end up. It's not if we'll end up somewhere. The question is, where do we want to end up, especially in these seven major areas of our lives that we've been challenging you? And the reason we, we, we're doing this series is because I found out that 80% of our population doesn't have goals for their lives. They don't have destinations or targets in mind. When it comes to life, they have a general idea, like, I want to do good, I want to succeed, all these things, but because they don't have a, a, a plan to get there or they don't have goals in place to help them get there, a lot of people don't realize their dreams because they don't have, even have it in, in, uh, written down or in, in mind where they can focus on that target. And so we said only 3% actually have them written down. And so if you have your goals and you have some life dreams written down, you're, you're in the top 3% of people. And if you look at these goals regularly, uh, like on a weekly basis, monthly basis, you're in the 1% of people who actually are focused and, and really trying to accomplish things in their lives. And, and I want to help us become uh, the kind of church that's not the 80%, that's just kind of hoping we'll end up somewhere good. But rather we're saying, I'm determined to end up somewhere good, so I'm going to walk this path until I get there. All right, that makes sense? So you can't hit a target if there's not a target. If you have no target for your life, you'll never hit the target. So set it up. Last week I quoted John Maxwell who says it like this. He says, if you, if you don't try to create the future you want, you must endure the future you get. So if you're not willing to try to create your future, you're going to have to just endure whatever you end up with. Um, our hope is that you will begin to create and, and plan and work towards those things. So we said seven areas of your life when it comes to your life spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, uh, financially, and vocationally. And these seven areas, uh, are, are, is your destination, is it clear enough? Is it, is it the idea of the goals that are leading up to it, are they close enough and is it helpful, these things you're trying to accomplish in life? Because um, it can be very difficult to f- stay focused uh, if you can't focus on something. Uh, so let me just walk back kind of the, the last four weeks. All right, so the first week we said uh, we're working the backwards plan. You start with the end in mind, right? So you're starting at the end, the, the dream. Uh, so we said dream big. That was the first week. Dream big. And, that, and then the second week we said make sure you think steps. So if your dream is to be successful in your marriage, think steps to walk backwards. If you want to be a successful parent down the road, you want your kids to like you, well then how do you 
what, what steps do you do to put in place to ensure that you get to that destination? So think steps. Start working backwards and asking the question, what do I need before that? What do I need before that? Until you get to where you currently are and then start walking down that, ro- that road. And then we said last week is that you're preparing. Everybody is taking a step somewhere. You're preparing for something. Why don't you prepare for something good? And we said start small. All right? Most people fail because they start trying to start too big, do too much too soon. Start small. Think small steps or start thinking those steps and start just implementing one thing at a time. So it takes us now to where we currently are. If we're walking backwards, this would be week four where now we're saying, all right, this is what you need to do now is you need to move forward. So we worked three weeks backwards. Now we're going to walk forward towards our dreams, towards our goals in life, all these things. And we're going to begin to walk that way. And so that, you do that by taking one step at a time. One step every single day towards those goals that are going to lead you towards those dreams eventually. All right? So you can say it like this. The first week was really about thoughts. It's about thinking. That's where all these things start. Uh, things start with your thoughts, which leads to your words, whether that's written or spoken. And then eventually it's the decisions you're making on a daily basis and then the actions that you follow through with. So if you want to change your behavior, you have to start with your thoughts. And that's kind of the whole, the whole um, process that we've been kind of working through is you need to change, um, you need to change your thoughts if you're going to have different actions. Different thoughts lead to different actions and then begin to walk that, that through. So you can say it like this. Really what we're trying to do say is the right actions will lead to fulfilled dreams in your life. Um, and God, that's why I know God wants you to succeed. He wants you to do good things in your life. He, he's put things in you to accomplish with your life. Like you think like it's just a desire you have. No, that's something that God has probably given you to try to accomplish with your life. If you'll just walk forward with it and make some plans and uh, the right actions to get there. So to summarize, it's like this. Week one was pick the destination, all right? If that's Hawaii, well, then pick it and make a plan to get to Hawaii if you're traveling, right? So if it's financial security, then pick the destination. If that's what it is, then start working backwards to get there. And then once you pick your destination, set a path to get there, and then you clear the path um, by, we said, packing the bag right, preparing for all those things. And then today we're going to talk about walking the path. Now you need to just walk the path and don't stop walking the path. Otherwise, you'll never get to your intended destination. Uh, destination. So what did I say? Des- destination. What is that? Don't go there. Right? I don't think that exists. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, guys, for helping me stay on track. Um, there's a life coach, uh, Charlene Armitage. Uh, she teaches people that are wanting to improve their life. This she says about, about life goals, all right, the process, embracing the process to achieve great things. She says life goals are reached by setting annual goals. Annual goals are reached by set, uh, reaching daily goals. Daily goals are reached by doing things that may be uncomfortable at first. It's an important part of this whole thing. Things that may be uncomfortable at first but eventually become habits because habits are powerful things. Habits turn into actions and actions into attitudes and attitudes into lifestyles. So the path you're on, the things that you're doing right now, at some point you chose, made a decision that, that turned into a habit uh, that now has turned into an attitude and now it's the way you live. And so if you have to, to change those things, you have to start working backwards and begin to change your behavior so you can introduce some new habits, some new thoughts, eventually have some, some good things uh, in, in, introduced into your life. Uh, one, one author I read, he says, man, men, women, men, we're functionally like bicycles. All right? This is kind of how our life is, kind of like a bicycle. All right? If it's not moving forward and onward, then it's going to falter and it's going to fall over. So a bicycle, if it doesn't have forward motion, it'll just fall over. Our lives are the same way. If we're not moving towards something that's good, eventually we'll just, if we're sitting around, we'll falter and we'll, we'll, we won't accomplish what we want to accomplish. Uh, every week I've given the scripture from Proverbs. Proverbs uh, 17.24 says, An intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. So this idea of the backwards plan, uh, it, 
it works in business, it works in family, it works in every area of your life if you'll work the plan because it's, it's a principle you find throughout the Bible over and over. There's this idea of what God is trying to accomplish, this, this goal, this dream that God has, a target for our lives. And then he's saying if you will do the right things to get there, you'll eventually get there. And a wise person, he starts off with wise actions, right, moving towards his goal, but a fool is going everywhere. Like they don't have anything in mind, and so the last few weeks we talked about that. So be the wise, the wise person that has, um, um, that understands everything's connected and you keep moving forward. Um, Romans 5, 3 through 5. That's what Paul says about, about life, right? So Paul, um, uh, um, one of the disciples that, that went and planted churches and just did an amazing job spreading the, the, the gospel and, and building, planting churches everywhere. Um, he He's writing to the church in Romans, and he's saying he, he's challenging them. And he's saying, "All right, because of what Christ did on the cross, we can have this confident hope." And then he says this. He says this line, which is really important for us, because on this journey that we're talking about, if we're going to move forward, one of the things that we have to establish, if we're going to be successful in anything, is endurance. All right, you have to have endurance. Endurance is what's going to beat most people to, to the finish line to get to the end. Uh, last night, if you guys watched the boxing match, you understand this. It's a great, great picture uh, of one boxer who was doing really well in the beginning, but at some point ran out of gas, out of steam, and didn't have what it takes to get to the end. Um, a lot of people in life are like that. We start off well, but we don't finish because we don't have enough endurance. Well, Paul tells us, you want to know how to gain endurance? Here's how you gain endurance. You, you endure. And he, so he says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. That doesn't sound like something we should rejoice about, right? Anybody rejoice this week about problems and trials? Anybody? I want to see your hand because you are a strong person. Typically, we don't rejoice about problems and trials. We're like, please get me out of this, right? But he's saying we can rejoice in these things. Why can we rejoice in trials and, and, and problems? For we know they help develop endurance. Wait, wait. So Paul's saying when you go through something hard, it's doing something good for us? Yes. When you have a hard day, you have something that's on, there's something that's being developed inside of you. Um, and this is what he says, endurance. And the reason endurance is so important is because endurance develops strength of character. And this is what God is really, really after in your life anyways. So when we go through trials and, and, and problems, it's not just so you can develop endurance. not just so you can you, you go through this because God doesn't love you. It's because he wants to develop something in us. And when we understand that, we're able to embrace that process of uphill challenges and, and move forward with it. Because when we in, develop endurance, it'll in, develop strength of character. And then our strength of character, our confident hope of salvation. This is the backwards plan in action. All right? So you're going through something. You choose to do something difficult to get you to something good. Well, when you go through something difficult, it develops endurance. And at some point, that endurance is supposed to develop your character. And once you start developing character, you have this confident hope of everything that's going to come your way. Like you're, you're secure. You're confident in the future because you've been walking this path. So in your life, when it comes to finances, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to, to kids, uh, whatever it is, when you've set your goal and your destination and you're walking towards it, you begin to have confidence that you're going to accomplish those things because you're putting in the hard work today that what it takes. Um, it, it's, it, I find it interesting that Jesus, he says, go and make disciples. The word he uses is disciples, somebody that is under the discipline of God or, or somebody that's, that is practicing the disciplines of the rabbi. So a Christian is a somebody who's saying, I want to be the kind of person Jesus was. So I'm going to practice the kind of things he lived out. I'm going to, I'm going to do the things he did. Well, what are those things that he, that he did? As he teaches these, these, these lessons, he's showing us the kind of life he wants us to live. And then he's saying, now go live like I lived. Here's the problem with us in, in English is our word disciple, we really don't understand that. Like it's not, we don't have a good translation for it. We think a student, but that's not a good translation because when you go to school, a student just wants to know the answers so they can pass the test, Right? 
So a lot of people treat Christianity like this. They think, well, I just want to know the answer so I can pass the test and go on. But that's not what God is calling us to be. A disciple is not somebody who just wants to know the answer so they can pass the test. A disciple is somebody who wants to know what, what the rabbi or the teacher knows so they can become like that rabbi and teacher. So when Jesus invites his disciples, come and follow me, what he's saying is, I believe you have, in your, you have what it takes to be everything that I am, so come and follow me. I'll train you. And when he reaches out to you and says, would you be my disciple, what he's saying is, I believe you have what it takes to be the kind of person that would represent me in this world. Come and follow me. And then we take on the disciplines that Jesus Jesus taught us, you know, fasting, praying, giving, um, and then other, other disciplines that we see through his life. Uh, even Jesus had a backwards plan. Every single day there was, there was a schedule. It would say that early in the morning he would wake up before the crowd. He would get away and he would meet with God. He would pray. He had this routine that he went on. He was working it, going down this, this road. And then Paul continues on and says, This hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how God dearly loves how, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Hope it comes from repeated results. That's what he's saying. So at some point, you, you face something hard. It develops endurance, and endurance develops character, and then character develops confident hope. Well, the reason we have hope is because it's a repeated result that we see in people's lives. I know this plan works because I can look at other people's lives who have modeled it, and I say, wow, they can overcome. I can overcome. They have a healthy marriage. I can have a healthy marriage. He's a healthy leader. I can be a healthy leader, and they're their process gives me hope that I can also go through this process and leads us on. Uh, Galatians 6, 9 says it like this. Let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. See, everybody wants the harvest of blessing. Everybody wants the good fruit. Everybody wants like success at the end. But it says if they don't give up. That's the key there is you have to endure. And how you develop endurance? You just endure things. You, you, you practice it. You keep going over and over those things so that you learn how to push through. Because uh, here's the thing. Everybody has, when it comes to destination and dreams, everybody has an uphill goal, which means they want to accomplish something great in their life. But most people have downward, downward habits, which means there's, there's something's going to happen. They're never going to be able to get up to their goal because their habits are going the opposite way. That's not, their habits are not leading them to that same thing or maybe point in a different direction that's your goal your habits are going to lead you a different different direction and you'll never realize it so paul saying in galatians that don't get tired of doing good at just the right time you'll reap blessing a harvest of blessing if you don't give up and then paul gives another example of, of endurance and and this life and the backwards plan of this he says don't you know this is first corinthians 9 don't you know that in a race all runners run but only one gets the prize Run in such a way as, as to get the prize. Everyone who compares in the, competes in the games goes into strict training. So he's saying people like – he's talking about like the Olympics. He's talking about these competitions, sports, the boxing match last night. Don't you know that, that everyone who competes in these, they go into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So he's saying – so there's this comparison here. All right, We need to work towards things, but just pay attention to the end destination is not just a crown here on earth. There's people to celebrate us. There's something even greater. Therefore, he says, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. So I'm not just running around in all these different directions. He's saying, I, I, I don't fight like a boxer just beating the air or like a boxer whose hands can't go up anymore because they're so tired, just getting punched in the face, right? He's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm in this all the way. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my own body and make it a slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So he's saying, I'm disciplining myself. Like, I'm training for something great. I'm, I'm working. I'm, I'm, I'm 
walking this road. And what's great about the life of Paul is he's not just talking about it here on this daily basis. We see his backwards plan. He's, he's fulfilling God's purposes in his life. At the end of his life, he knows it's, he's going to die in Rome. And he looks back and he says, hey, guys, I fought a good fight. Like, I've, I've run the race. I finished the race that God called me to do it. Now I'm looking back and I realize, like, I've done it. You guys can do it too. And he looks back over his life and he realizes there was this journey that he was on that God was leading him. And he reached the destination God had for him. Are you going to reach the destination God has for you? Are you going to reach the destination that you have in mind for yourself when it comes to your finances, when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to your relationships, to work, whatever those, those areas are? Uh, are you going to reach them? So what it, what it is, is Paul saying in 1 Corinthians, that there's a need for self-discipline. Self-discipline is doing these things on a daily basis that, like the, the, the person said, Charlene said, it, uncomfortable at first. It's not always comfortable. Riding the first 100 miles is not an easy thing to do. It's not actually easy the second time, but you endure and you learn how to endure more, and you're able to accomplish it. It gets a little easier, a little more doable. You keep moving on. So here's the thing when it comes to the backwards plan and moving forward. You can either make excuses why you don't reach your goals, or you can make progress. So you can make progress on a daily basis, or you can make excuses why you're not reaching it. But you can't do both at the same time. Here's the problem with excuses. The more we tell ourselves the reasons we can't do things, the more we begin to believe them. So every excuse you've said to yourself over and over why you can't accomplish a certain thing eventually becomes a reality because now it's becoming truth, even though maybe it wasn't truth in the beginning. That's the danger of excuses is they eventually will get – they'll keep us stuck because we begin to start believing our own excuses and reasons that we're not making progress. Uh, But you have to keep – you can't do it. Uh, Some of the common excuses that people use is fear, uh, fear of the future, fear of failure, uh, worry, what will happen. Um, regrets, doubts, unbelief. Like, what, what are these, these different excuses that people make of, of not being able to accomplish what they should accomplish? Uh, but every person, every time a person is worrying or making an excuse, uh, whether it's about death or about something else, they're not living and they're not walking towards their dream because they're staying stuck at where they're at. Um, here's the thing when it comes to excuses and progress is you have to choose, if you choose progress, then you have to decide, all right, I have to choose the pain of discipline or I have to choose the pain of regret. Because the truth is we'll all have this, one of these two pains. We'll have the, the pain of discipline that we choose to do something hard or down the road we're going to look back and say, I wish I would have done more. I wish I would have changed that. You, you, you're going to get one of these. So would you rather choose the pain of discipline now or the pain of regret later? Uh, they, they, you've met her said like this. You can, you, can, you can pay now, right? You pay the price now and play later. Or you can play now and you'll have to pay later. But – the price tag later on is going to be a lot more. If you've ever had to pay for a house or a credit card, you understand this, right? You, pay, you charge $100 here, but by the time you get down here, you didn't pay $100. You paid $150, sometimes $200, maybe more in some cases. Why? Because you wanted to pay, play there while you have to pay now later. In all these different areas of our life, it's the same way. If you want to just take it easy in downhill habits, over here you're going to have a lot of makeup work to do, and most people don't have it in them to really catch up and do that, and, and they keep pushing it off and pushing it off. Well, you have to just decide, am I going to do this now or am I going to do this later? And here's the thing. Most of us start thinking, well, you're asking me to do more. I already do a lot. Like you're, you're thinking more work. No, you don't say more work. The question is what works? You figure out what works, what doesn't work. Start cutting out the things in your life that don't work because you know what you're doing that doesn't work. Now you have to cut those out and begin to do the things that do work. And so it's really saying minimize what you're doing. It's not more work. It's working smarter. It's sharpening the saw like we talked about last week so you can do it. Um, and here's the thing, you, if you're going to finish, you need endurance. You need endurance if you're going to finish well. Like you can't stop. When it gets hard, you can't stop. You have to keep going on. You have to keep moving on. 
Because nobody reaches their destination without taking the next step forward, the next step towards it. That's the one thing I know about you. Your dream, the thing that you want to accomplish, your hopes uh, that you want to realize, if you don't take one step towards that, you will never reach it. It just takes one step every single day until you get there. Um, last week I told you about the race to the South Pole, you know, of, of um, these two, two different countries that were racing to be the first ones to put their flag, um, um, uh, Amundsen and Scott. And these two teams, uh, well, what's really interesting is, is uh, last week I showed you the, you know, the, the stats, all that stuff, the differences. What, what was really interesting about Amundsen's plan, the guy who won, his team that won, all right, he, he had this plan that he was going to march a specific amount of miles every single day. Like in his, in his battle, his, his race to the, to the South Pole to plant their flag, 15.5 miles every day, whether it was good weather or bad weather. That was the plan. Every single day we're going to march 15.5, whether it's good or bad weather. On Scott, on the other hand, they had to plan that we're going to march as much as we can when it's good weather, and we're going to rest and wait for good, wait when it's bad weather, and we'll wait for the good weather to start again. Problem was, like we said last week, is 56% of the days were bad days. Uh, so if you were just relying on good days, the other, if both teams were relying just on, on good or bad days, one's going to win because there was you know, less good days. And so they would march more and extra, extend themselves, get sore, all this stuff, because they worked harder, um, where Amundsen was just saying 15.5 miles every single day, whether it's good or bad. What's amazing about Amundsen's plan is the, the plan that he put to get to the South Pole and back, he got back to his base camp the exact day that he put in his journal when they would get back. Like he worked his plan, backwards plan, right? He had, he had this plan, he implemented it, reached his destination. On the exact same day that he said he would get back, he got back. Why? Because he had a 15.5-mile march. And one of the – I love business books because I think every business principle that works in life you could find in the Bible. And one of the, one of the books is called Good to Great by Jim Collins. Not Good to Great. Great by Choice, a follow-up to Good to Great. And in his book, he talks about these companies that are very successful and their comparison companies that didn't do as well. And when these companies that, are, that did really well, he, they found that these companies that did really well, they had what they call the 20-mile march. And when he read the story of Amundsen, he realized that's the exact same principle. Companies that are successful, they don't try to do a whole bunch in one time. They just do enough every single day that builds up in time to eventually you accomplish a lot. This principle works in our life. What it, what it is is the 20-mile march is 20 miles is, is, is it's just hard enough so that it's going to take work, but it's not so hard that it's overwhelming. So, so a goal, a 20-mile march goal is, is saying in my life, I'm going to set something that's going to be hard for me to get there, but not so hard that I can't attain it. Does that make sense? And then every single day, they're marching towards their, their goal, their destination. And the reason Amundsen won is because he just kept moving, moving forward. So the 20-mile march. And in his book, this is what he says about the 20-mile march. He says the reason people and companies succeed that do the 20-mile march is because, one, it builds confidence in our ability to perform well even in adverse circumstances. So when you're getting up at 6 in the morning to run every morning a mile or two miles, right, whether it's sun or rain, it builds confidence so you know that you're going to be able to, to, to run whether it's good or not. There's something that's being built in you to be able to perform well. Um, second thing is it reduces the likelihood of catastrophe if we ever hit turbulent situations or disruptions. So in, in this comparison with, with Amundsen and Scott, he said the difference was preparation reduced the likelihood of dying, which one team didn't die and the other team did because they weren't on this consistent path. And then it helps us exert self-control in an otherwise out-of-control environment. In our world, our world, there's so much out-of-control things around us that when we practice these, these principles, we actually bring stability to the world around us. Why? Because we're doing something that's helping us on this journey. Here's the thing that I heard through this whole series. We talk about the backwards plan. Is, is people have told me, I wish I would have known this when I was younger. I wish I would have known this earlier. 
But here's the thing. It's never too late to do the right thing or to do a better thing. Never too late. It's never too late to do the right thing or the, a better thing. Um, it, it's Because it, at first it's going to feel like you're paying the price to do all this, but the truth is you're actually you're enjoying the price because the price later on is much more expensive. It's never too late. You can do it now. You know, I don't know if you've ever heard this question before, but when is the best time to plant an oak tree? Anybody know this answer? When's the best time to plant an oak tree? 20 years ago. Yeah, the best planting plant was 20 years ago because the oak tree is big. You have a lot of shade. Well, when's the next best time? Today, now. So if you didn't plant 20 years ago, why don't you start now? It's never too late. You can pay now and enjoy the time later, or you can play now and, and waste the time and then have to pay for all that later. It's your choice, but it's never too late. Let me show you an example. I found a video that uh, highlights this so perfectly about making small choices that make a big impact. Isn't that cool? One person. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty cool. I think it's great. I was born in 1979. So this guy's been planting a tree every single day as long as I've been alive, which is pretty amazing. And uh, two times the size of, of, of the park in Central Park. That's amazing. It's a small act. Nobody would think planting one tree a day is really going to make a big difference. But over 37 years, right, that's a huge difference. That's, that's big. Um, pretty amazing. That, that, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's what the 20-mile march is all about. It's saying, what can I accomplish today that's going to help me to get to realize my dreams in the future? And here's the thing. You have to commit to 20-mile march for 22 days. You, if you're going to do anything with the backwards plan, you have to say, for 22 days, I'm going to do this. Why 22 days? Because they say it takes 21 days to break a bad habit or to form a new, form a new habit. This is why so many people don't break habits and don't start good habits. Because they're not willing to go 21 days to make it a habit. They start running for five days, six days. They sign up for their gym membership at the beginning of the year, use it for a few times, and because there's no results right away, they give up, right? We have to walk through for, for this time. Here's the thing. I know every single one of you can do this because you already do things that you already realize that you're already doing. How many of you guys brushed your teeth this morning? Yeah? How many brushed your teeth last night? All right. How many did not brush your teeth this morning? <laughs> okay, you don't have to raise your hand. At some point in our life, at some point in our life, in our mind, something happened. We said, um, if I don't brush my teeth, I'm never going to get kissed. Maybe that was one of it, right? 
Or if I don't brush my teeth, I'm not going to enjoy the really good food I like to eat. So I better start brushing my teeth because otherwise my teeth will fall out and I won't be able to enjoy that. Right? At some point, something in us told us brushing our teeth is important. Brushing our teeth is a 20-mile march because for some kids it's pretty hard, right? But you do it every single day and you have good hygiene. If you add flossing in, it's really good, right? Throughout our life, we're already doing things that are producing good things. We just don't realize that we're doing them because it's just a habit or something, a routine that we do. In your life, if you would introduce small things like that, it would make a big difference. Back in, in, in January, February, March, I went to the chiropractor because I was having back pain. Um, and then God healed me that week, which was amazing. My back, God healed my, my back. But one of the things the chiropractor told me was, Eric, the, the habits you have, they're downward, downward habits. So sitting on a computer, reading a book, uh, cycling, all these things are leading to downward habits when it comes to your posture. Your shoulders are going to start slumping. Your muscles get tight here. Your, your lower back, when you're sitting down, your legs get tight, which means your muscles are fighting. That's why you have back, lower back pain. He says, so you have to stretch every single day. He said, just, he showed me some stretches. It takes about five minutes. Um, so f- since March of this year, I have stretched for 15 hours. All right? That's pretty impressive. Nobody clap for that. Come on. But here's the thing. I'm, I'm just kidding. You have to clap for that. It's not 15 hours every day. It's, it's five minutes before I go to bed. I do my stretches, or if I'm exercising, I do my stretches. And over the period of 180 days, that's what it's been since I went to the chiropractor, I've put in 15 hours of stretching. How's my back feel? It feels great. First, because God healed me. That's the first thing. That's amazing. But now I have to be a good steward of my body and not get back to that place where I wasn't taking care of myself. Does that make sense? So you have to do these things that doesn't – stretching for a few minutes a day does not seem like a big deal. But I feel it, and I know it, and it's helping me stay, stay big. Other things in your life, what are the things in your life? Um, and I, I don't say this to brag. Please, you, you brag about things nobody else can do. You, you share stories that other people can do also. Uh, for the last six years, five years, uh, six years, uh, my family has sponsored a kid in, in, in Africa. All right. So if, if I told you the amount of money that it's taken us to sponsor, like I did the math, and, and I, if I asked you to, to sponsor a kid at that amount, you'd be like, I don't have that money. Most of us don't have that money just to give out. But here's the thing. When you break it down into months, and every single month we give that money, I look back and I think, wow, over those last few years you've given this amount of money. Um, it's pretty, it's, it's, it seems like a big chunk when you look at it once. But at, every month you look at that, and can I be honest? It's one of the best things we've given our money to over the last five years. Because there's a kid in Africa who's going to break the poverty cycle, right, um, that, that his family has grown up in, his, his, his culture has been in, at some point because of education, because of health, he's going to be able to break through that and not just affect his family but affect the future generations that he impacts as a leader. Um, that's a great investment, right? Well, when we think about sponsoring, helping people, we think of the big, well, that's a lot. Well, no, it's not. If you break it down into small chunks, it's really not that much. There's all kinds of things. I know every single person in this room would say, I would like to help. I would like to do things, but I can't. Maybe when, when it comes to finances, but I can't. Why? Well, one, because maybe you can't because you, you have too much debt. You, have, you can't be able to do that. Uh, but that's the first problem is you have to overcome the can't because as long as you say I can't, you'll never be able to do it. Uh, second part is then you have to begin to get rid of the debt. So you can do things like that. But, but we can apply these to all the areas of our life when it comes to our, um, to our family, to our marriage. You know, in, in the goals that I've been reading and that I have on my phone, that, that my, my targets, my destination, one of them is emotional health. Like I want to be an emotionally healthy leader. And what, what, what science is finding out is that's, that's almost more important than IQ. EQ, which is, is intelligence, uh, IQ is intelligence. Um, um, EQ is, is uh, emotional intelligence, right? They're finding out that that's almost more important than, than, than um, the mental intelligence because people that are healthy emotionally can continue doing the work um, because they're, they're healthy emotionally. Well, what are the, one of those things that I have to put in my life to be healthy? Sabbath, 
God tells us we have to have a day of rest. So for me, it's a very intentional thing where I say, I have to have a breather every week. If I'm going to make it down the long haul, I have to make sure I understand this is not a sprint. It's not, not a fast race. It's a marathon. And if I can keep my body healthy and I can keep my mind healthy and I keep my emotions healthy, when I get down the road, I'm going to be more bearable, right? Because people don't take care of their emotions. At some point, they blow up. At some point, they're no fun to be around because they haven't managed themselves because they're stressed, they're overloaded, all those things. Well, I want to be healthy emotionally. That means I have to put things in place that are going to keep me healthy when it comes to my emotions. Um, Here's one question I think you need to ask yourself often. I would take a picture of the screen because it's going to be a question that's going to help you so much. If you're married, you need to ask your spouse this like every other week. Like, all right, here's the question. What one thing, if it got better, would make the biggest difference in your life? What one thing, if it got better, would make the biggest difference in your life? If you want to know where your 20-mile march is, start with this question. What's the one thing, if it got better today, would make the biggest difference in your life? And then take a step in that direction to improve it. And they get it, make it a habit of asking this question. All right, in my, my finances, what's the one thing? In my marriage, what's the one thing? In my relationships, what's the one thing? In my work, right? In my emotions, if, if, if these things got better. And here's the thing about the 20 mile march. You can do something every single day to reach your destination. On a Sabbath day, resting is one of those, th- one of those goals you should have, that you would be able to be healthy emotionally. We need to rest. That's us taking a step that day. Uh, other days is reading or whatever your goals are. You take a step every single day towards these things. Um, so put it on your calendar, man, you, you know, it, it, it's, I heard this principle, they call it the hotshot principle. Um, if somebody was going to replace you, right, what's the one thing they would change right away in your life? Like if there was somebody who's coming in, they were marrying, if, 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 if my wife's getting a new husband, all right, an amazing guy who's a hotshot, what's the one thing he would change right away? That's a good key, that's a good uh, indicator that I probably need to change that. Um, in, in business, I heard Intel guys, there was two guys there to make this big decision for Intel, and they said, hey, if, if we were fired and a new CEO came in, what would he do about this situation? And they knew instantly, like they already knew what to do, but they knew he would close this down and he would put the money there. And they said, why don't we just come back in and hire ourselves and do exactly what we know he would do? And they did it. So in your life, this is what I'm telling you to do. Do, do this on a, on, a, on, a, on a regular basis. What's the one thing? If somebody replaced you at work and they came in, they would fix that big old stack of things that you've been ignoring. Would they fix that? Maybe that's the first thing that's going to be fixed. If, you, if, if your husband came, if your wife got a new husband, and the first thing they did was to have a conversation, have the conversation. Whatever it is, just address that thing because doing one hard thing here and then the next day and the next day, eventually you'll look back and think, wow, I've come a long, a long way. So be the, we be the 1%. If only 20% have goals, only 3% write them down, only 1% review them regularly, be the 1%. Review them regularly. Um, if you look at your calendar last week, that'll give you an indication of how you're doing when it comes to your goals, when it comes to moving forward. Uh, your past performance is a good indicator of the direction you're on. Um, how much time did you devote regular to discipline activity? So here's the challenge for today as I wrap up. Uh, the challenge is this. Would you walk the path? If you, if you set the path, walk the path. And throughout Scripture, over and over, the, it talks about how the path is so important. The direction, that you, the, 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 the steps that you're walking are so important. Stay on the path. Keep walking the path. Take one step every single day. Why? Because endurance, it leads to health, and it leads to dreams that will be realized. If you will endure, it will lead to health, and it will lead to your dreams being realized. If you take one step towards your, towards your, your goals, emotional health, uh, uh, spiritual health, uh, when it comes to your walk with God, financial health, if you continue to do these and you endure, eventually you'll look back and say, wow, I'm in a place that I'm healthy, and I can do 
a lot more than I thought I could do. Walk the trail. Every day, do one thing that moves you towards, towards that goal. Um, you know, in, in Romans, we talked about how he says, in, rejoice when you face trials and troubles. Um, the reason Paul can write these things and tell us these things is because he can develop endurance and character. But the reason he's writing this, he says in the beginning, because of what Christ did on the cross, and then right after, he says something about what Christ did. He says it like this in Romans 5.10. He says, since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while he was, we were still enemies, still God's enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in the wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us a friend of God. So here's the thing. The backwards plan. You don't have to be a Christian to practice these principles. You work on your business, you work on your marriage, you'll succeed. But they do, they, they have their, their, their base in scriptures. They, we find them over and over. And if you apply them as Christians, it's great. But here's the thing I know. There's some people in this room that you're not following God. You're doing your own thing, and these principles apply them. It's good. It'll help. But the whole point of all this that Paul's writing about and helping us in this journey is not just so we get some great goals and win a lot of money and do a lot of good things with our life. It's so at the end of our life and the next life, life continues, eternal life continues, that we'll be part of what God's story and part of what he wants us to do. And this is the whole point of it all. He said, all right, as you, as you plan your life, just don't forget that these 70 years, 80 years on, on, on earth is not the whole story. It continues on. And sometimes I think we forget that. And all the things that we're striving for and working so hard for is just about now and in a few years where, where God is saying, no, there's something greater than that. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, we were once enemies of God. Now we can be called friends of God. I love that. And this is why Paul says we can rejoice when we go through hard times. Why? Because we're no longer enemies of God. We're now friends of God. We can rejoice in hard times because it's going to develop endurance and character. Why? Because we're no longer enemies of God. We're now friends of God. How do you become a friend of God? You accept his son's sacrifice on your behalf. That's how you become a friend of God. You realize that sin has separated you from God. And now he's inviting you to say, I want to join you on this journey. So the backwards plan, there's this path God wants you to walk. If you'll start with God and say, God, what do you want me to accomplish in these lives? How do you want me to walk this? He will give you wisdom and insight how to do it. My invitation today is if you're not walking the path with God, would you say yes to him today? If you're far from God, if you've been running from God, if your life is messed up and you're saying, God, I need help, it's never too late to do the right thing or a better thing in your life. And today I would invite you to do that. So I want to give you an opportunity. If you're here today, now, you're, not a, you're not a Christian, you're not a Christ follower, or you're, you've been running from God, or you're far from God. Today, would you do me a favor, and would you start the journey of saying, I want to walk this path with you, God? So do me a favor, close your eyes and bow your head as we wrap up service today. As I talk today, and um, I hopefully, I've, hopefully we've inspired you these last few weeks and motivated you to uh, move forward in, in your life towards good things. But the most, thing, the most important thing that I would want you to walk away from is you have to invite God on this journey. And if you do it alone, you might, you might succeed in some things in life because you could find principles at work. But you won't succeed in the right things. And in your life, you look back and realize that you're focused on the wrong targets and goals all along. And God's invitation is saying, would you help, allow me to help you focus on the right things in life? So today, if you're here, I'd like to lead you in a journey, a start of a journey saying, God, I want you in my life. I, I want to follow your path, your ways. I'm going to give my life to you today. If that's you today, would you do me a favor? Raise your hand. Let me know you're here today. I won't call you to the front. Just lead you in a prayer. Awesome. I see your hands. Awesome. I see your hands. 
God, I invite you to my life today. I need your help. Great. Anybody else? If you raise your hands, I'm just going to lead you to prayer. It's a simple prayer saying, God, I need you to help me on this journey. The Bible says if we confess our sin, our wrongdoing, he comes and forgives us, gives us grace. And so we're going to say, God, forgive me of my past. Lead me in this future. I receive your sacrifice on that cross for me. If you're a Christian, join us in this prayer. Uh, They won't be praying alone. So if you raise your hand, pray this with me. Say today, say, Father God, today I invite you into my life. Forgive me of my past, of my sins. I believe you, you sent your son to die on that cross. On my behalf, I thank you. Come and start a new journey with me. Give me a new life. Help me to follow your lead and be successful in this life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Church, can we celebrate those that prayed that prayer?